Welcome to the return of the Parsha panel here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, and I'm being joined by my brothers, Rav Daniel and Rav Menachem Mendel Mendy. So welcome, both of you, back to the database. Thank you for joining us. Good to be back. Always a pleasure. Baruch Hashem, and we always love having these conversations here, especially about Parsha. And for now, for this particular issue, I wanted to focus on Esav, Esav Harasha, um, who we might think of as uh, Esav Dodenu, Esav, our uncle, who could have possibly... What? Uncle Ace. Uncle Ace. So, yeah, what I, and what I want to focus on particularly is what could have been or what might have been alternative paths for Esav. What if Esav had been a tzaddik once upon a time? Was there even a possibility of an Esav Avinu? So I want to get to all of that. Before we do, uh, besides for thanking you guys for joining, I want to thank our sponsors. We have um, Anonymous Luli, Nishmas Shmuel, Benachem, and Arileh, Leah, Bas, Avram, and Yehuda, Chizde, Akir, Ben, Rav Shlomo. Their Nishama should have an Aliyah. And anyone else who wants to partner up with us here at the database, and if you enjoy the Shurim, you like what we do here, so please also reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com to make your sponsorship today. So let's talk a little bit about Asav. So we know who Asav is because of who he was. We know what the Torah tells us about him. We know what Chazal teaches us about him. And the first time we meet Asav, we have this natural depiction of this um, this redhead, this hairy caveman, someone who was born to be evil. And right, we get that from like the opening Rashi's that talk about Asav from his conception, right? And it, it's it's kind of like, at first glance, you're like, did Asav ever have a shot? From the time that Vaisrotsitsu Haban and Bakir, but the children are are yearning and and agitating inside her, and of course it's Asav, the one who wants to break out to go to the Beisav Odazara. And then you have another Rashi, also early on, when when Esav comes out, Admoni, he's a redhead, says Rashi, based on the Barashas Rabbah, Simen hu shofech damim. Ah, there's a tell-all sign that he's going to be a murderer. So Esav, from the outset, it doesn't look like he has a fair shot. And we know that it couldn't just be that he never had a choice. And obviously Yitzchak, looking at Esav, saw something different, the question is how much he knew. But the point is that it could not just have been that Esav was doomed to be a Russia from the start. Right, do we have any initial thoughts on these uh, perplexing Rashis? We meet Esav even before we meet Esav, and we're looking at this Russia. Um, yeah, I, just from my perspective on the matter, um, if you see a little kid who who has like certain disposition to them that they could end up being a troublemaker when they get older, or they could channel that in a good way. And whatever it is, you know, 10 years down the, down the line, you say, oh, I, I saw when they were a kid, they had they, they had this aspect to them, and they could have been really good, and they could have been that. Depending what it is, you will always be able, well, hindsight is kind of funny, and you would always be able to figure out what you, oh, yeah, it makes sense. So I think that Aesop, he had um, disposition to him, he had certain inclinations, and that could have been channeled towards one thing, or could have been channeled towards something else. And I, I think that, you know, he, he, whatever it means, the, the prenatal ticking, um, this happened, maybe, maybe that was nothing. Maybe that was, that was, was just, you know, 
he was kicking because that's what babies do in, in utero. But um, it, it could be that after the fact, you know, these things make sense afterwards. Um, but you know, when he was, he was, he's not, he's not destined to be a murderer. Just that he has the bloodshed to him. Right, yeah, and I remember one time talking with someone um, years ago. I was on the school bus, and um, and they were telling. They said that they have an uncle who was a shohei, and I said it like, "Is he a redhead?" And the person the entire series is like, "Oh, you know him?" He was actually surprised. Oh, I, I said, "I'd be like." Does that mean all redheads are shokai? Not all redheads are shokai, and not not the only thing that a person can do, obviously. But just that I heard that idea and I put it to the test that one time. It was just like very interesting. Like, yeah, a person can be, you know, a person who is prone to bloodshed doesn't mean that they are going to get murdered, but. It's just yeah, everyone their disposition. Everyone can have a disposition. Disposition. They are prone to some certain behavior, some certain anything, and it doesn't have to manifest in in one way or another. It's just how it is. So my tendency, Rav Mendy, is to agree with that. My natural tendency, anyway. Um, Rav Daniel, um, any any um, related thoughts? Yeah. Um... No, I, I guess, I'm assuming that we want to leave Asa with at least some free will here. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not opposed to uh, to limiting people's free will in certain contexts, but to say Asa's whole whole life, he was a robot programmed to be a Russia, I think is is a little bit uh, a little bit too much out of my comfort zone of free will. I mean, like when we ask questions like, you know, Paro losing free will, is that possible? And that whole discussion there. So I, I'm I'm okay. There there are there are much greater minds than me, uh, you know, and, and the rich women that are that are okay with limiting free will at some point uh, to some degree. You know, there's many things that we do that are, are not based on free will that are based on our our nature and based on our nurture and not uh, not within our nukudas abhira, as uh, as Rudesso and others put it. But we want to leave a little bit of free will for for Asa. It's, it's, the especially, is, I guess, what was? I was gonna say, well, as, well, well, especially well, as early as his as is be, being in utero. Right. So, what, what was? I mean, clearly, this is all I'm trying to tell us something there. Um, you know, it's what, I, whether you know, like uh, not. I mean, Ramadi was saying this, like, you know, maybe it was nothing. So it definitely wasn't nothing. Um, it, you know, even, even the question is, is you know. If we're taking that midrash at face value, which is, you know, also a worthy discussion of, like, did, was, it was, was factually, like, that took place, that she passed by a, a base of Odazara, and there was kicking, is maybe, maybe, but cause, definitely because I was trying to tell us something. So, you know, we can't just dismiss that as something that just happened. But what is the, um, what was the potential of, of Asaph? Meaning, what is Asaph done right what does that look like? You know, sometimes people just, you know, there, there are other people born in the generation who just did not have what it took to be um, the next, you know, patriarch of Kali Yisrael. There, right? We have, there, there are Avos, there's Avram, there's Yitzhak, and there were millions of people on the wor- in the world 
who, even on their best day, working very hard, or working very hard for a long time, who would not be one of the Avos. So, the question, and what, what, make, what makes Asa stand uh, you know, above them and closer to the mark is the fact that he is biologically a grandson of, of Avraham and a son of Yitzchak and Rivka. And brother of Yaakov. So that's, and that's a big deal. Brother, brother of Yaakov, so and a, a twin brother, so identical DNA or similar DNA, very similar. So maybe there's a chance to say Esau could have been the next Av, or it could be no. It could be Esau's, um, you know, predisposition were, were just too much for him to overcome. That Esau, you know, because of his, you know, you want to say his tendency towards bloodshed or whatever, or ADHD or, or whatever he might have, you know, been diagnosed with, um, would be too much of a hurdle for him to actually become the third of. But he probably would have looked different than the murderer, uh, rapist, Oved of Azara. I think we lost you. Rev. Daniel, last thing we uh, heard was Oveda Vodazara. Oveda Vodazara, and a denier of God, and all the uh, other you know, things that Chazal portray him as. But we, what we have to figure out is what does the good version of Esav look like? What is the, the, the proper Esav? Esav done right. Is that one of the Avos? Is that Yaakov's uh, 50-50 partner? Is it something else? What does the good version of Esau look like? So that's, I think, something we have to think about. Okay, so what I like what you just did there is you now opened up the the um, path. You, you opened up several different pathways. Um, you know, different. Um, you choose your own uh, destiny. So when it comes to Esau, we have different alternative paths, not just one single path, um, but different different options for what Esau might have been. And you mentioned in there the possibility that no, maybe Esau never was going to be the patriarch, but maybe it could have been something else. Um, and that, that maybe, maybe Esau never was meant to be, or maybe he was, or maybe he was meant to be something of an equal. So now that we, um, at, at least at the moment of this recording, we are at Parshas Vayishlach. We met Esau a couple of weeks ago in Parshas Toldos, and it's in the end of Parshas Vayishlach that we sign off of Esau. And we're, and we're in, in retrospect, we, we know what the Navi in Ovadia says in this week's Haftarah about the downfall of Esau. We know what Hashem says in, in, in Navi in Malachi, that Hashem, at the, at the end of it, he says, I hated Esau. So what we're looking for is what could have been up until that point. And it could be there were multiple possibilities up until that point of where Esau could have been, what Esau um, could have ultimately become. So let, let, let us talk a little bit about that. So... I think a good starting point, um, besides for what we know about Esav in utero, is the initial nevuah that Rivka receives. At least um, that's tr- um, that she gets um, trans um, uh, that, that's um, transmitted to her from shame. That Chazal tell us um, the simple line: the Rav Yavod Sa'ir, that the the greater or the older is going to serve the younger. So right there in the nevuah already, at least it seems like there's um, a suggestion that the firstborn, Esau, was not going to be viewed, at least as the firstborn, at least he wouldn't be first. He, would, um, he was going to be serving his brother. So right there we have somewhat of, uh, of a prediction, and if we can call it that, or, or a nevuah of what Esau, what his maximum potential was going to be. And what does that look like when you hear a Ravya Vod Sa'ir? 
So to you, what um, to either of you, what does that what does that mean, Rav Yavod Sair? So I think it's the Malbim. I could be wrong. Malbim points out the fact that there's no um, nothing symbolizing a direct object uh, receiving the action. There it doesn't say Rav Yavod Sair. It doesn't say Rav Yavod Sair, which means it takes this mean that it actually can be read as either. Because there will be times in history where Rabbi Avod Tzair, there will be times in history where oh, Avod Tzair So there, just just by, by dint of that, it seems that there's, you know, there's actual no de- definitive meaning behind that because it is lacking the direct object there. It doesn't say uh, is that saying that the Sa'ir will be Yavu the Rav or the Rav will be Yavu the Sa'ir? It could be read either way. Exactly. So the Nivua yeah. is intentionally ambiguous. Yes. Okay, so that so that that's interesting. So so even there you can argue that we don't really know who would have been first. And you can argue so what, what that sounds like then is let's say all being equal it was either going to be Yaakov or Esav, but perhaps there, not, neither one of them was going to be equal exactly to the other. There was always going to be one that was before the other, and one alternative path was Esav being the one and Yaakov being second. Right, so this, that's interesting, because I, I think we have another conception that we see in the Mepharshim. I don't have specifically offhand which Mepharshim say this, but the idea, the conception of Yisachar Zvulun relationship between Yaakov and Esav, which Rav Daniel, which you alluded to, um, my, my Bechor brother alluded to, the possibility of an, a, a sort of equal relationship where one is doing Torah, the other one's doing Parnasa. And, and in this vein, presumably, Esav is the one who is making the Parnasa, Yaakov is the one is the Yoshev Ohalim, um, who is learning the Torah. And in that vein, it sounds like Yaakov in that version, Yaakov ends up um, being first or they're being equal, right? But but from the Nevuah, it sounds like there's, there's for sure that's going to be one that's a little bit higher than the other. Okay, yeah. so, so, so that's... Um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not finding it. I, I, I was under the impression that even Ezra um, also made that, uh, that hara, which by also, I mean, um, you know close to, uh, like, oh, 600, 700, 600 years earlier than uh, the album, but I, I'm, I'm having trouble finding it inside, though. Like, he says... Uh, I don't see it in even says, on the It could be it was yeah. even so I Yeah, but... but um, I don't think it was, but it's, that sounds like the kind of comment the album would make. Yeah, uh, but, but, but Chizkuni quotes it as well. Chizkuni is probably quoting uh, an earlier parish problem, likely Ben Ezra. But yes, uh, and, and, and as, as, as Sforno is one of the earlier sources that suggest that that maybe there is a different role for Esav and 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 Yaakov. They're both, you know, included in the plan. Sarno has such a such a an approach later, and then I think many um, many more contemporary uh, scholars try to try to find find a way to make sense of that. And they even present it in, in the uh, you know in, in the situation of uh, Yaakov Yaakov having to marry two wives. Okay, so coming into into that. So yeah, I, 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 I want to get to that. Know, yeah, well, why, like, okay. So anyway, we could, we could, uh, I could hold it. Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll definitely say that, however, you know, I, I think a big point here is that even Rashi is not, tra- is not trying to strip Asav of his free will 
because we know that if Esav had become something else, Rashi would be telling a different story. Right, right, Rashi, the story wouldn't be about how Esav was, uh, was destined to be a show of Eftamen, but we would have heard about how Esav overcame those dispositions and that, those tendencies that he had. That's, that, that's what Esav could have been. And there are, there are many who talk about this idea that Yaakov might have been considered like the chassid me'ula, the tzadig gamor, you know, nothing's wrong with him, whereas the Esav would have had to work harder as the Baal Shuvah, the kovesh yetzer. Um, um, and, you know, that, that would have been the, the kind of midah that we would have seen out of someone like Esav. But of course, we know that Esav ended up selling the Bechorah, and Yaakov sensed already at that point that Esav was was not in the right direction to, to serve Hashem properly, and then we know that Yaakov ends up getting the Brachos. Now the question is, um, while we are talking about what the alternative possibilities for Esav were, so what did Yitzchak think the plan was supposed to be? And even there, you have difference of opinion. If you look in the Ramban, the Ramban is very explicit that, Esav, that, that Yitzchak thought that the Birchas Avram was going to go to Esav. The Ramban is very clear. He says that Esav was going to get the Birchas Avram, that, that, that Yitzchak naturally thought the firstborn Esav was one who was destined to that bracha, and that's what was planned for him, and, and Rivka intercepted it. However, um, the base Halevi, of, uh, which um, Rav Yonason Sachs quotes every year, the Beis Halevi says that the Berchas Avram was never going to go to Esav. It was always going to go to Yaakov. And the proof is in the parsha. It's in the pudding. The proof in the parsha is that when Yitzchak blesses the person who he thinks might be Esav, he does not say, I'm giving you the Berchas Avram. He only says Berchas Avram when he's giving it to Yaakov explicitly. Meaning, the bracha that Yitzchak wanted to give to Esav, says the Beis Halevi, was a gashmiyastika bracha that had nothing to do with the Berchas Avram. And and that that's what he and, and Rifka Imenu, her counter response to that was no, Yaakov needs both brachos. But that's the base of Levi. The base of Levi says that that Asa was never going to be number one. And that, that even Yitzhak knew, even even the best on Asaph's best day, Asaph wasn't going to be number one. So we we we, we have even within the Yitzchak track, what did Yitzchak know? What did Yitzchak think? How much uh, about Esav did Yitzchak know? Did, Esav, did Yitzchak know that Esav was a Russia? We know that he didn't like Esav's wives, but how much did he know? Or how much did he plan for Esav to be number one? So that's a machlokas among the Mepharshim already. But we see multiple possibilities there. Now, an- another thing that I think is worth pointing out is that when Rashi tells us Shnei Goyim Bevitnech, so, remember who Rashi says that's a reference to. Rashi doesn't say Yaakov and Esav. Right? He says Rebbe and Antoninus. Right, so, so we have Rebbe and Nasi on the one hand and Antoninus. Now, Antoninus was considered a very great figure. Now, he wasn't a Yid, he wasn't a Ben Yisrael, right? but he was considered very great. And apparently there was a role. We see already that there's a role, a Kedusha Dika role, or at least a positive spin on what Esav was supposed to be, that there's a positive manifestation of Esav in this world coming right from Antoninus, and right out of the Navua, already from the Navua, you see that it wasn't that, oh, you know, you have good guy and bad guy. No, you have Rebbe and Antoninus. So, again, further manifestations of what a positive Esav would have looked like. So, I, I, I want to move back over to the point that you made, Rav Daniel, about, um, about Yaakov having married uh, more than one wife. Now, we know because of the circumstances of, of the pregnancies and the fertility, why Yaakov ended up marrying four wives, um, at least I'll peep shot from the story, but at the very least, it didn't have to be two. And at first glance, 
from just looking at the text of the Chumash, you don't really know that Esav has a shaykhaz to any of this, but you look in the Midrash and they talk about at least the first possibility of who Esav might have married, all things going well, so or maybe all things not going well, depending on how you want to look at it. Midrashim say that there was this presumption of Esav marrying Leah. Right? This is the famous Midrash about Leah crying, about her her eyes being tender. The Ibn Ezra says, don't look too much into it. Don't think that you can understand why Hashem makes someone look the way they look. But the Medrash says that Leah was crying because people were saying, oh, the older one with the older one, the younger one with the younger one, Yaakov's going to marry Rachel, and Asaph's going to marry Leah. So that already seems like there was a plan of some sort for Asaph to marry Leah. And maybe Asaph, as a tzaddik, that wouldn't have been such a bad thing. Right? So that's one possibility. But then we see we kind of see sources that point to another possibility of who Asaph was supposed to marry. You guys familiar? So Dina. Oh, okay. So so we'll get to that. I think there's I think I think there's even another alternative before we get to Dina. Before we get to Dina. Rachel. Rachel. Right, because even though and I, I can give you I can give you a, a source in 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 Chazal, and then I can give you possibly a logical suggestion. But the source in Chazal is that um, Rashi quotes it also based on a piyot. Uh, the Paitan writes that the Russia put his eyes on Rachel when he saw that she wasn't having kids. When Rachel says that Hashem has gathered in my embarrassment, Hashem has gathered in my shame, so Rachel says, I thought Asa was going to want to marry me because I, because I was barren. And, um, uh, and I think you, um, you once suggested to me that um, when, I, when I asked you about it, I think just last week, um, that... Uh, well, why, why was the barrenness of Rachel a reason why Esau would want to marry her? So perhaps Yaakov would have said, "Oh, listen, I'm not gaining anything from from Rachel in this marriage. She's not she's not producing children. So maybe Yaakov would leave Rachel, and then Rachel would fall into or, the or, hands of Esau." And right, we see, or, or, just, or, 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 or that, I, I said that, or maybe guaranteed birth control. Maybe guaranteed birth barren, control. You know, you know, sorry about that, which we see was uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, something that you know, we see with with the Lemech. And his two wives. Right, the the Dora and, uh, Another, if there's a good trivia question, two people with a two two people in uh, in the Chumash with a wife named Ada. So. Uh, oh, interesting. You know, a wife named right? yeah, is, yeah. is uh, Asav and Lemech. Both had had had, had and they both had, they both had two wives at least at first. Asav had two wives. Um, could be both Adas were for one for for the. Well, well, I, th- so, I thought Asa's wives were Yehudas and Basmas. I thought did, they, did one of them have another that, name? That, that, that's, that, that's what that's what you would think back in uh, in Parshas told us. But right, right. Parshas Rashi, 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 and told us right, says that their names are changed no, to no, nice Rashi. Jewish names like Yehudas and Basmas. Right. You know, Rashi yeah. points out that the Ada by Ada and Tila, Ada was the one for children procreation. Yes. Yeah. Right. And it, obviously, it didn't work because both Adda and Tila had children. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. we, yes. and, because sometimes birth control um, control fails. Um, you know, that, that, that's that's a fair possibility. And certainly in those times, I don't know how how much uh, you know expertise they had in the area, but. But certainly, we see that as a possibility. And in, in, in this week's parsha, Yosef is blocking Rachel because I don't want the Russia right. to be Litlos's eyes upon her, and he's going to try to take her. So now, it sounds like there's a possibility that Esav marries Rachel. Now, a logical reason would be that we know that Yaakov 
we said that Yaakov ends up marrying both wives because apparently Yaakov has to take on the role of both his own and Esau's, right? So, so, and we spoke about this in Parsha Panorama, that Yaakov is taking on two identities. This would explain why Rivka puts him up to the craft of deception, which is taken right out of the playbook of Esau. Yaakov has to put on the persona to be an ish sadeh. You know, Yaakov in Parsha's Vayetze, the Pasuk tells us he goes out to the sadeh. So Yaakov is going into the terrain of Esav. You might suggest that when Yaakov switched roles with Esav and Yaakov becomes the Bechor, that maybe Yaakov's new betrothed, his, uh, his, new, uh, his new Bashert, is supposed to be Leah, naturally leaving Rachel to be with Esav. Meaning even though Yaakov wanted Rachel, you could argue that, no, Yaakov, you're the Bechor now. You go with the Bechorah, you go with, uh, with, with Leah. And, and by all reason... Rachel ends up with Esav. So, so and, and, and you know, being, meaning the younger with the younger, so to speak. That's uh, definitely a possibility. So, so Yaakov and Esav almost like trading roles. So then maybe Rachel, and so the, the point is that clearly that Leah and Rachel, whichever one was originally supposed to be with Yaakov, so they both might speak to the two different roles that Yaakov had at the time, and Esav should have naturally been one of those individuals. Either, and now the question is that does Esav become a patriarch, or does Esav just become a really awesome uncle, you know, a great brother to Yaakov to help Klai Israel, like Antoninus did, to be to be an ally of the Bnei Israel, to walk side by side with Yaakov, which was what almost happened in Parshas Vayeshlach as well. Uh, okay. But we, we we know that's not what happened, and. The point is that I think another important thing, which we keep on coming back to, Rav Daniel, that you, that you started us off with, is that there isn't just one alternative path for Esav. And in life, there isn't only one alternative path. There are, there are infinite number of paths that a person could take in a lichatchila way, in a bedieved way, whoa, you know, what you're going to do with your life, and uh, how far off could you go. And even if a person does go off the derech, they can always do tshuva. And it seems, as you alluded to, with Dina, that should have been the case. Right, because I'll talk about where was Dina. She was in the box. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, right. So we, we, Chazal seemed to indicate that, and there's some Bali Moser who who take a different approach. But the, but the the face value uh, version of, of the, the this, this midrash, sorry, yeah, yeah this, this midrash quoted by quoted by Rashi is that after the encounter uh, of of uh, of, of, of Esav and Yaakov in this week's parsha. So immediately after that scene, or just about immediately, we see the uh, uh, the abduction and, uh, and and rape of Dina, and Chazal attribute that to uh, Dina, be, or at least partially attribute that to Dina being placed in the box instead of letting Dina be you know uh, exposed to Esav or Esav being exposed to Dina and marrying her, and she could help uh, you know bring him. In, uh, to do tshuva, so this uh, what, one uh, one just small point I'll, I'll mention that uh, I had is that it's almost like um, this was his opportunity to give back the wife he took, right? He took Leah, who really should have been Esau's, okay. and Yaakov took her. Now he didn't mean to take her, but by taking the bracha, uh, he he by taking the bechora and taking the bracha. So he took the 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 other bechor, the bechira, the older the older um, daughter of Lavan, and this was and now he's, how how do you pay back? You can't you know divorce her and, and, and send her back. 
but you can take her da- her daughter. And there's an emphasis on this is Bas Leah, this is the daughter of Leah. We see over here Chazal say Ke'ima Kabita, like, like mother, like daughter, Leah. So this was like an opportunity to give not Leah back to Esau, but at least Le- Leah's daughter Dina back to Esau. This is like an opportunity and, and um, fell short of that. And this could have been something that helped bring uh, Esau back, at least to some degree. So that's just one, one, um, one horror I had. That I, you know, I think is is a uh, is you know significant point. Another another uh, you know failed uh, uh, Bashar, if you can call it, of of Asaps. And I think you've also pointed out in the past that we see some, at least some evidence, some support in the potential of Dina being able to be the the means by which people come closer to Yishkai under the Kanfei Shechina. We see it in the next story. Right. Yeah. In the entire next story. That, yeah. So in in that essay. I, I suggest that that one of the main points of the entire uh, n- next story, like you know, like why was this the, why, like why why did she get punished in such a way because because Yaakov did this like why did it happen? So it's trying to demonstrate a point to Yaakov that you see the power of Dina that she was able to get an entire city of of Canaanim to to be circumcised because of because of her you know something special about her. So you know imagine what that could have done. To somebody who's already circumcised, Asa, as Chazal said that explicitly, say you, you you could have married her off to to uh, someone who's circumcised to Nimal now now, and so she's going to be taken by an RL. So it could be that that does dem- demonstrate that, but that's uh, right. And we see a, lot, a, lot, a lot of obsession. You see it in the readiness of Shechem, like the like so quickly he was ready, and, it, and it, I guess now this doesn't take the liability off Asa for not having done Shuvah, but we see. Again, more alternative paths. Like, it, it, like there's a rule in life that right. just it's never too late to do tshuva. And so, even if Asav had gone bad, even if he had soured, he could have always returned. And right. so, I, I, yeah. I, I think. Yeah, sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I, I think something we have to look at some something else. Is there anybody else in Asav's category? So, Chazal point out, and, and there are a couple of Amari Chazal that speak about this. I know I saw a Targum Yomson. Uh, uh, last week, and uh, and definitely in in the in the Svar Makadoshim and Sefer Kabbalah, they speak about this concept of the solests, the solest of of Avraham, and the, right, there there are some some uh, you know some refuse of Avraham that has to come out. This solest of, of of Chesed that sometimes Chesed is done in in uh, you know in an inappropriate way, and that was like filtered out. Through Yishmael and the pure Chesed goes into Yitzchak. Yitzchak had this Gevura and the Psolus of the Gevura. So, so again, so, so Yishmael, you're saying Yishmael is the Psolus of Chesed, Avraham's Chesed, the refuse yes. of that is, 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 is Yishmael. This, this, this is, this is, yeah, yeah, this is not, this, this is not at all my Chiddush. Um, and the Psolus of Gevura goes out through Esav, and uh, and Yaakov is like the, is like the, the pure, uh, you know, Pure uh, gura of 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 Yitzhak, and I guess the mix of the chesed. Okay, so the, the, I mean, there's like there's, the, where's the psalms of the others? I don't think so. The, there isn't. That, that, that's, that, that, the that's, that's the whole point. And, MS is the balance. Yeah, but I, I mean, I mean there, there, there's there's a kabbalistic way to refer to it in the terms of chesed gura teferes. Uh, there's a less kabbalistic way in some of the other sources in Chazal that just say it's the psalms of Abraham and the psalms of Yitzhak. That everyone has this psalms. And then right, that was the whole question. Does Yaakov have solace too? Are there descendants of Yaakov that are also not so, uh, you know, so, so uh, aye, aye, aye. And that's a, that's a question. There's a Havamina maybe, Reuven, 
is is not that because removing sins and the and there's a bot there there's there's a the, there's a starting on synthesis that after you Ruby does what he does with Bill and you can listen to the, our other share on the uh, on the oh, yeah. database podcast where we discuss um, what Ruben did with Bill but that or so didn't do the major says what he did or didn't do so major says Yaakov thought oh no this is the solace of me this is my bad son and then, then the Basque comes out and says no but you Ben Israel no there are 12 of them they're all they're all Siddiquim okay good and Bilaam and, and, and Bilaam's donkey had nowhere to go because Yaakov you know has no solace right he has he has different paths when he's when he first right. there's, there's Avra right. and yes, Yitzchak yes. and then he, he gets yeah, to Yaakov yeah, he many, can't many sources, many sources in Chazal for that concept um, but but so, I mean, so there's a half meaning, but, but we should put Asaph in a category with maybe a smile, right? So according to this approach in Chazal, it seems that Asaph had no shot. There was no question he was going to be one of the others. No question. He was that he was not going to be because he was naturally pesolas. So there's a Kabbalistic way to, again to refer to it, and then there's a non-Kabbalistic way to refer to it. So there's no way he's going to be an av according to this approach. This at least within this Maimar Chazal. But perhaps we can look at him at like Yishmael. We know that there's there's a machlokas, but uh, it's the more famous opinion, as, since it's quoted by Rashi, that Yishmael did tshuva. Right. So Yishmael was kicked out at first. He was told very clearly, "You cannot inherit in Bini in Yitzchak. You cannot. You have to be kicked out of the house and stay far away for a little bit." But ultimately, we know that, uh, at least in, in the mainstream approach in Yishmael, Yishmael the Tshuva. We have Tanayim and Amorayim named Yishmael because Yishmael the Tshuva. So this is an example of maybe what could have been with Esau. Did Esau do Tshuva at the end? Eh, doesn't... He, he's pretty he's, nice. He's, at but, the, he's, at but he's at not given that credit. Time. He's not given that credit by Chazal and not by right. the Navi. Exactly. 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 One of the Pesach no. where it says Yishmael said that Yitzhak and Yishmael went to bury Avraham, but it says Esav and Yaakov went to bury Yitzhak. Good point. Good point. Good deal. Right. The the, yeah, the, so, so. the Medrash derives from the fact that y- that Yishmael let Yitzhak go first to bury Avraham when it came to burying Yitzhak, so we don't find that Esav and Yaakov go first. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be shocked. What you could say over there is that that Yaakov yes, was Yitzhak in Vater, was, maybe. Probably no, someone. no. I'll be, I'll be shocked. I would say that y- that Yishmael is the son of the Pelegish. Uh, okay. The, the, the primary, everyone agreed the primary wife was was Sarah, and therefore the primary Sarah was clearly Yitzhak. However, and, and you know, and, and he was explicitly banished, even if he was later brought close. I but, hear. Uh, I hear. Yaakov, Yaakov, but again, but for sure, I mean, if we're working within the Diok of Chazal, which you know, many is true, is correct. The Diok of Chazal is why um, why Yitzhak is placed before Yishmael is because Yishmael did the tshuva. So we do not see that. So according to Chazal, with that line of thought. Uh, Esav did not do tshuva, but maybe he could have been Yishmael. Maybe we would name our kids Esav, had Esav right. done tshuva. We named our kids Yishmael. I mean, I don't. And I don't know if you do. If you, you, know, it's a shame. If you, if you plan on naming any of the children uh, Yishmael. But, but, and, and it's now a beautiful this name. It's I, a beautiful I, name. Probably, I imagine, I, I, oh yeah, I imagine since the rise of Islam, it's gotten less popular, but Yishmael was... Um, you know, the, the Tanaim and Amrayim named Yishmael, that was before the rise of Islam, so that's a little bit uh, a little bit different. So, I, but, uh, yeah, like, maybe maybe that's the version. That Esau could have been, had he done Shuva, had he married Dina, whatever it might have been, he could have been like, uh, like Yishmael. 
But again, also, I got just a holy, a halaga ally to the Klal Yisrael. Um, and we see that there, you know, that, that that potential existed and was manifested on Taninas. So again, there was always that, that possibility. And what, um, another wrinkle to all of this is another Maimur uh, Chazal, that uh, when the, um, it, this is usually used to exclude Yishmael, ki b'yitzchak yikara lechazara. And Yitzchak is going to be called your Zerah, right? But they say not just that, it's not just to the exclusion of Yishmael, but as my Rebbe quotes um, often, it's also to the exclusion of Esav. Ki b'yitzchak v'lo kol Yitzchak. Meaning in Yitzchak, but not all of Yitzchak. So, and that, that could be also taken to mean that Yitzchak, also Esav was never going to be number one. And he was never going to be named the Zerah Avraham. He was never going to be named the Zerah Yitzchak. But that doesn't mean he couldn't have been really good. And just, you know, Hashem has a different role for everyone, just like Hashem has a different role for B'nai B'chari Yisrael and for the and the, 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 the difference, B'nai Yisrael La'amim. And, and the Amim have an important role here as well. So, and, and it can't be understated what their role is. And it's the same as ours, essentially. It's to serve Hashem and just us leading the way as the Or Lagoim. But that, that, but that option was always open to all of us. So, in, uh, so, so Esav, um, but like, uh, and you mentioned the, just the idea of the the solace of of Gvura. So Esav is this refuse of what should have been uh, the positive midah of Gvura. So it's just interesting because we've we've had conversations in the past about which did Leah and Rachel represent. Right? Uh, did um, did uh, Leah represent the Chesed, or and Rachel the Gevura, or vice versa? Um, and that might require a, a separate analysis of, of just those two. There are midrashim that talk about the midos of, of Rachel and Leah. Rachel has the midah of yep. Shtika. Leah has the midah of Hoda. And it's probably well beyond the scope of our discussion. But it just goes back to who um, who was supposed to be the one that would go with, uh, would have been married to Yaakov, who would have been married to Esau. Um, but like, well, what what I think is is, is clear is that you know you you can't just look at Esav um, in a vacuum and and you know and think of the Russia that he was without thinking about the tzaddik he could have been and how many different possibilities and opportunities there were for that to have happened and um, so. Uh, I think I think um, exploring those alternative paths is not only just a good exercise for us, but it teaches us about the story that could have been told about Asaph, and of course, you know the story that it's 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 now the untold story of Asaph because it's the story that didn't take place. But it should it should give each of us a, a certain sense of chizik about what opportunities are available to us and how many times those windows of opportunities present themselves because it's never it's never the end. You, know, you could always so my so my brothers, I'm telling you, it's not too late. Good to know. Anyway, um, I, I, I think I think that takes us to the end of a of a, a very um, interesting conversation, and I appreciated having you guys here for it as always. So thank you for joining us here. I love having this Parsha panel. So Shkayach Rav Daniel, Shkayach Rav Medi, thank you for joining. Thank you for having. My pleasure. It's my uh, responsibility as the Bachor. So try to, try to try to retain those rights. And uh, my, my, my job is to steal them. And it's my responsibility as the younger brother to listen to the older brothers. So. Yeah. Uh, so so so, and it's everyone else's responsibility to listen to all of us. So um, uh, so, thank you all for listening, and make sure you send us other. But, but we would love, but we would love to listen to you, and we'd love to hear feedback. So please send any feedback. Yes, to the, uh, the database, database at gmail.com. At gmail.com.
And I'll also mention while I'm at it is that we, um, we, we have schedule updates frequently on the database WhatsApp group, which you could also join if you reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. And it's a, it's a good place to see what's, what's, what's upcoming. And from there, you could even WhatsApp me if you have recommendations on Shearum you would like to hear on the podcast or even on the Parsha panel. So anything that might interest you, please reach out to us. In the meantime, shkayach everyone for listening, shkayach for uh, to my brothers for joining. Thank you for joining us here at the database.